show is sponsored by Trail Run Events, host of amazing races in beautiful places. Their next race is the Valley Crest Trails 10K and Half Marathon, happening Saturday, June 11th on the historic Mulholland Fire Road. Treating runners to valley and ocean views, this race is located outside the hustle of greater Los Angeles, but close enough for day tripping or sightseeing. These distances are perfect for trail newbies or those needing a training race. For a complete list of races, visit trailrunevents.com or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Trail runner, mother runner, badass, mountain runner. Welcome to the Ultra Ladies Show. I'm your host, Sarah Terhar. And I'm your host, Nancy Shura Durvin. And every week, we're here to educate, share stories, and humor that help inspire you to run your first ultra or your best ultra. Whether you're on a run, commuting to work, or busy parenting, get ready for some laughter and some real talk about this gritty sport we all love. Hello, Ultra Ladies. It's Ultra Mama Nancy. And today we are going to talk with Sarah, our partner coach. Uh, what is it like to direct your first trail race? We are, because while you're out there running them, some of us are the ones putting on the events. Yes, we are. Sarah just put on her first trail race last Saturday, April 16th in Greater Los Angeles. It's called Amundsen Trails 6K, 12K Trail Race. And Wow, it's been a busy couple of weeks leading up to it. Are you are you decompressed yet, Sarah? I am getting there. I need a few more days and then I think I'll be fully rested. But I was pulling a lot of long hours between that hat and several others. But uh, we're okay and the event went great. And so we'd love to share that experience with you and give you an insider's look into what it takes to put on an event like this. Absolutely, let's do that. Um, so I have been race directing, as you all know, for, well, since 2002, I don't know how many years that is 20 at least. And before that I was doing informal events. Why are you laughing at me? (laughs) Sorry, everyone. This is the humor of the podcasting. I had my mic muted and I went to take a sip (laughs) of my drink and I spilled it on myself. So (laughs) There you go. Yes, we can see each other while we're doing this audio podcast. <laughs> this is the and humor of the podcast. We're human. So I think I've, I've put on events almost for 30 years, but formally as an, a, a race director authentically for 20 years. And I really learned things the hard way. I learned things by trial and error. I learned things by got, going into the field and experiencing it real time. And I like to think that Sarah's um, maybe fortunate because she can shadow me and I can share things with her, but I know it's not easy. I've had other people try to work with me before, not so successfully. So I give you a lot of kudos, Sarah, for hanging in there. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a good experience. And I have a background that brings a lot of transferable skills to this role. I did event directing in a small community. They were not running events, but they were very large events. And there was a few small ones tossed in there too, but a lot of skills I gained from that have helped me in learning this role with Nancy. 
And then in addition to that, I have a business background as well in my college education. So between that and coaching and running and just taking all those skills and rolling them into this, this role, it's really helped me a lot to step into this new job. Absolutely. What was that experience like for you on Saturday? Overall, it was great. It really was. And I'd love to do it again. I think it was a great intro race. You know, we had 111 runners, all of our runners finished. We did have 18 no-shows. That's typical amounts for a race of that size, but uh, it was a good event. And I think we had only one person come up and give us a little constructive criticism. They were really nice about it. And the rest was great. We had no um, really unhappy people or unhappy runners that, you know, ran away and said they'd never return. And so I think that was good. I really couldn't ask for something that was, you know, even better really other than having more runners, but we'll talk about that later. And so that little race um, is about five or six years old, but we've had two cancellations due to the COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to point out to all our runners out there that it wasn't us that canceled during COVID. It's that we can't get a permit because during COVID there were so many layoffs in the job uh, market and our park services who write our permits didn't have enough staffing to supply us with our permits and our monitoring. So now we're up and running again, but it's almost like starting over year one with a low number of runners. So they all got extra special treatment from two race directors. How lucky was that? They were very lucky. And we had so many smiling faces. The weather was cooperative and really everything just pulled together to make it a great first event back from COVID. And they were just happy to be out there. And so were we. So we're glad we could put it on. So Sarah, let's talk about leading up to the race. Cause as a new race director, uh, yeah, you know, first came filing for taxes and everybody doing their taxes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we had to put on a race on that Saturday. So how did, how are you feeling leading up to the race? It was okay. Things, there were some things that we took care of a little bit late in the game that we would like to take care of earlier. Some of that really is out of our hands. Some of it we could probably improve on, but, um, I mean, there was quite a few things that, you know, took a while. And that is also um, kind of COVID fallout, if you will, because you have layoffs that also creates a domino effect where it's harder to communicate with your vendors, your parks for permitting, that kind of thing, because they have less staff and they're all doing a lot more work, you know, with a lot less help. And so getting them to reply or getting somebody to call you back or getting a document or something like that is going to take longer than pre-COVID and all of that stuff trickles into everything else you do. Yeah, we got our final signed permit from the park agency at about two o'clock on Friday afternoon with the gates needing to be opened at 5 a.m. the next morning. And luckily I've been race directing for many years. So I was able to open my phone book and call one of my um, friendly monitors, rangers, that I keep in my phone book and say, hey, are you going to be at our race tomorrow to to monitor it? And he assured us that he would, whether or not we had a permit, but we did get the permit. So we always, it always makes uh, good relations if you're friendly to your monitors, give them a t-shirt, you know, a race shirt and try to get their phone number (laughs) in case you need (laughs) them to help you through a tough situation. Yeah, of course, of course. 
So there are some things I would probably change about the event, but not a whole lot. Um, being the first year that I'm helping and doing the race directing, I also, I'm learning from Nancy and all of her years of wisdom of putting these on. I don't want to change very much about them, you know, until I really have my hands and everything into it a lot and have some experience under my belt in that particular type of eventing. And, but something I would say about this particular race, um, this race, like Nancy said, it hasn't been around as long as some of the other races that we put on. So, you know, of course we can learn. And of course things happen like the trails adjust and trails change. Sometimes we have to reroute based on washouts and maybe overgrowth or if a trail's closed off. So in this case, we had a sharp turn and we had some arrows and then we had uh, an alternate direction that we had marked with a, you know, do not proceed. And I've seen the videos, I've seen the, the photos from this spot and it was marked. <laughs> the runners were briefed at the start line and told what to expect. And we still had a group of runners that missed that turn and had to backtrack and find their way back. And they had some bonus mileage. They didn't go terribly far, but they did get some bonus miles on there. So yeah. we, we could do a little bit better about marking that spot, um, well, I mean, adding some fair, more arrows. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair, Sarah, I've in 20 years of race directing, I've had that happen a number of times. We just heard about a big 50K that was held in the Samo Mountains. We did. Where like 60 runners went off course. Mm -hmm. And we give a race prep talk to the runners. We say, you're going to have orange uh, chalk arrows. They're really good arrows because they come out of a, uh, a can that's, you know, compressed chalk. And we tell them, uh, you got to watch those markings. It's your responsibility to download the map on your uh, watch or your phone and pay attention. And usually the, the middle of the pack runners do. It's always the fast runners who can't follow the arrows because they're looking behind them to see who's coming. And, you know, they're, they're running so fast that they will miss it. They turned back as it was and they could see the orange X's that said, not here, you know, but that makes, that's just the way it is with trail running. It's ultimately the runner's responsibility to know the course. And we put arrows out and we do a very good job of marking it. But even then, it's very easy for a, a fast runner to fly by. And you know what everyone else does behind them just yep. follows them. They just follow that. Okay. Exactly. This year, we had a lot of runners. It was their first time running a trail race, period, you know, from road running. And we had a lot of runners. It was their first time running in that area at all. They've never even been there. So we had a lot of newbies, which is fantastic. But that's also another reason why, you know, a group of runners may have run past that section because they're just not trained or, you know, know what to look for. So yes. um, all we can do is do our best and try to educate them and hope they listen, even when we're calling it out with a bullhorn. Right. The bit, the bit <laughs> time. Bullhorn. Tell them to yank their earbuds out. Listen. <laughs> I got the reputation of the bitch with the bullhorn from the bulldog 50 K I put that on for 18 years. And I was, when I got behind that bullhorn for a 50 K run with 600 runners, it was all business, no handholding, you know, but so I sort of have that reputation and, Oh, you're the one with the bullhorn. But yeah, I was super happy to see all the new runners when they raised their hands. It was their first time. And yeah. it, it was certainly like more than three quarters of the runners were brand new to the race. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting to see that and um, we'll get our old ones back again soon. I'm sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, for um, sure. Like, were there any surprises for you, Sarah? Did any, you know, anything we could say pleasant surprises? Since I know race directors tend to worry and overthink yeah. things. Well, I think on race day itself, I think I was surprised there wasn't anything bigger or more major, or we didn't have at least one grumpy person, you know, but I think it was fine. You know, I, I do, I think it was really, it went very smooth for, especially for a first race back. I mean, I guess if we would have doubled the number of runners, there would have been double the chance of it not being as smooth, but I mean, for a first race back, but I think it went very well. Yeah. I will say leading up to it, there was like little things that I think were a little surprising for instance, like, yeah, how long it took us to get a permit. And even though we were doing our due diligence ahead of time and like, for instance, the vendors with like the porta potties, you know, getting them delivered, even though we did everything we were supposed to do. And Nancy had included a plot map on some communication we gave to the company and they're supposed to give that to their drivers and they didn't. And so here we are working away on everything else, thinking it's taken care of. And meanwhile, the driver shows up out there gravel parking lot at a trailhead to leave these porta toilets and doesn't know where to leave them. So we're getting a phone call on the fly. Hey, where do I put these? That kind of thing I think is a little surprising when you've done your homework and Yes. And, and I think working. people don't know that like the, like the issue with our permit coming so late, like you've said, you know, we're, we're outside in, in, in the, with the Penske, we're loading shit into the Penske and we're cleaning coolers and, and um, making up boxes for our aid station and our trail markers and our sweepers. shirts. Yeah. So like, Feeling yeah, it. we don't have time to go sit on the computer and wait for a permit. That's why we send a plot plan with T marks the spot for the toilets and Mm -hmm. he was never given that but Mm -hmm. how many times did I say to you on Saturday it's okay it's not fatal yeah (laughs) when little things would come up and she and you would say something I'd say it's not fatal it's okay it's not fatal (laughs) yeah 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 no I think it was good and we did have a lot of positive comments after from people and we've had positive comments on Facebook and Instagram of people really enjoying it and already looking at coming at our next race, which is going to be at Valley Crest. So. Yeah. And we have a beautiful set of photographs coming out for our runners to buy. And we have a, a little short video we'll put up on our, tr- our uh, Facebook, uh, Amundsen Trails Facebook group. So you all can view that as well. Um, what's the hardest thing about becoming a new race director after COVID? We have a couple things. One of them, which was a little surprising is the amount of runners that we've lost that have run Amundsen before, you know, having so many first timers out there today, whether they're first time to Amundsen or it's their first time trail racing period, we were a little surprised, but maybe those other runners have gone on to do different distances or maybe, you know, they haven't been exercising like they want during COVID and they're not up to running. I don't know, but it was surprising that we had so few that had run it before in attendance. I mean, and the ones we had, I think were rollovers because yeah. we did offer rollovers for entries yeah. um, back in 20 and 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we wouldn't have had as many coming back the second, third time around if it weren't for the rollovers. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those challenges of putting on the race after COVID is that our policy, just like Western States, just like every other race you run, LA Marathon, Chicago, Boston, we do not give refunds or rollovers and we don't let you transfer your bid. But we made an exception during COVID. 
Um, we knew that times were hard for everybody. They were certainly hard for us. And um, we offered those rollovers. And I was kind of surprised at how few people actually took them. Yeah, I was as well. Yeah. Yeah, we did our best to be generous as best we could. We did. Yeah. That's that's understandable. So the other thing about becoming a race director during COVID that's been a little hard or challenging is that while we're locally owned and we're a small business, the runners have easy access to us as RDs. And that's fine. We, we actually love that. We kind of, it's kind of a love hate thing. (laughs) Hate is a strong word, but we, it sometimes gets abused. So meaning like runners, because they know you, they think it's okay to ask for a comp like, Hey, like, cause I know you, can I get a free race entry? Or they ask for their rollover to be rolled over again, you know, to another race because they can't make it. And And again, and again, again. (laughs) or they'll ask for discounts because they know you, um, or they want special privileges like advertising on your event, Facebook pages for your groups, you know, those kind of things, which, you know, if you really, I think they don't really mean ill by that, but I don't think they've really flipped the scenario around and thought about that. And, and it's disrespectful. So please be kind to those race directors. Well, that you know. <laughs> if you want some special dispensation from LA marathon, how are you going to get it? You don't have access to the higher ups that control everything. And this is a unique situation where um, it's kind of like going into a, 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 a store, a family owned store in your community and you know the owner, you know, and you've got to respect that they have put out great expense and liability to have a business. And you would never go in and say, oh, can I get my shirts clean for free since I'm your neighbor? I'm in your neighborhood or I know you. Um, and it's been very difficult for a lot of race directors because um, historically, Back in the day, I always refer to the 1900s, um, races weren't that expensive to put on. There were fat ass races, no permits, no shirts, no entry fee. There were all kinds of of ways that people get together and run a 50K. But then as things start to go through the years and government agencies are getting involved and um, more and more uh, races are going up in prices every year because our fees are going up, that's where it kind of becomes challenging because it's a lot of money to run these races sometimes and um, we're paying the bills. So I I think it's very important for us to stay connected to our running community, but also still continue to be good business owners. And that ensures that the survivability of the races, that's our biggest goal. We're not out to make a lot of money. We just want to pay the bills and it's iffy. The first year or two after COVID now is going to be iffy for a lot of races, whether they can come back um, from those down, down years. And that also is in part because all the fees are higher as well. Like a lot of places have raised their permit fees. A lot of vendors have raised their cost as well. And that in turn carries over to the amount that they charge us. So that is just something to be aware of as a runner when you're registering for these and you see an amount that has gone up from what you've paid in the past. And it really you know, does. we're not getting rich off of these <laughs> for sure. So last year, for example, we were trying to put on one of our races that ultimately did get canceled. And in the past, uh, we always have two permits at this particular race. And in the past we were paying 
uh, $1,500 or $1,700 for our permit for the day. And last year they sent us an invoice for $5,700 for that race. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. How can you go from like $1,700 up to $5,700? Yeah. We negotiated it down, but we couldn't negotiate it down enough to be able to afford the race. So this year we're trying to make a go of it and um, try to see if we can negotiate the price down a little more. But that's what we deal with. That's what we deal with. You know, we advertise, we sell entries, we pay money for um, promotion, we hire different people, vendors to time the race and so forth. And then we never know, like as of last Friday, how much were we really going to have to pay for that permit that didn't come until like 15 hours before the race? Yeah. And also depending on how many runners come to a race. So when you're thinking about that and you're searching, if you really want to support your small races or your locally owned races, just know that that's what it takes to put these on and that your entry or you and your friends or your running groups entries could help with the survival of that event. If it's an event that really means a lot to you. So we really appreciate you and thank you. So. And we are super generous with our volunteers. That's a great way to earn some free entries into races. You might want to check with race directors and see if they'll give you a, an entry into one of the other races that they put on if you come and spend the day volunteering um, at a race. So that's a super good way of, of getting a free race, but you got to really get out there, you know, show up in some work clothes and be ready to work. And, and that's a good trade-off bartering sort of your work for an entry fee. Definitely. We had a volunteer at Amundsen that is planning on running at one of our races. So it's great. We, our next race is coming up June 11th. It's the Valley Crest Trails. We have a 10K and a half marathon on historic dirt Maholland Road. So it's at the top of Reseda Boulevard. If anybody has run there before, you might know the area. If you haven't, you're missing out. It's got we're pretty, I think we're we're pretty uh, lucky that all of our races have some kind of affiliation with the movies. Yeah. So Amundsen Trails, part of that race course was the site of the filming of Gone with the Wind and Django Unchained. Mm -hmm. Um, Valley Crest Half Marathon is on historic Mulholland Highway that's now a fire road and was a very famous uh, place during the 30s and 40s, you know, that they've made movies about Mulholland Drive. And Rocky Peak is out there in the in the Corriganville, Rocky Peak area of Simi Valley where John Wayne, Roy Rogers, all these cowboys were making their movies the black and white movies during the 50s and 60s. It still looks the same. And then of course we have Griffith Park, Cirque to Griffith Park. Griffith Park is the same park that has the Hollywood sign. So I, I we're pretty lucky that we really have some outstanding locations for our venues. I'm, I'm happy to say that. We're not just taking people out on some dirt, dusty trail somewhere. Yeah, and then we have a nice mix too. So Amundsen, we have some kind of fire road type-esque wider trails, but also some single track and then Valley crest. We have fire road, but we have expansive views, Valley and sometimes ocean, depending on the weather. And then we move into like Rocky peak. We've got some rugged fire road and single track. And you've got also Cirque, which is a a looped course. So you've got hourly options and you can go for the buckle and it's more of a party scene with the circus theme. So a lot of fun options there, and you can do a lot of fun things with, with the different races that you have and what you offer. 
So Valley Crest Half Marathon is run entirely on county maintained fire roads. Um, super easy to market. We'll be driving a truck to mark this one. Um, it's a super fast race, rolling hills, not flat by any means. Um, at low altitude, though, which makes it nice. And our course record of 111 something for the half marathon has been standing now for something like 14 years. Wow, that's impressive. 111 something for a half marathon that's very <laughs> hilly. So we're hoping we'll draw some runners who can challenge that record this year. Um, and we usually get a bigger turnout at Valley Crest. We've had, a, we've had up to 400 runners at that race uh, because it's known, it's nicknamed the friendliest race in LA and lots of teams come running clubs, store uh, training groups and things like that. And so there's uh, just a really nice, um, you know, energy of people to come to run that Valley Crest Half Marathon. And uh, yeah, we're just definitely looking forward to it. We're going to put away Amundsen pretty soon and break out Valley Crest work. We are. And Valley Crest registration is already open. If you wanted to look that up or you're interested in it, it's a good option. We're just wrapping up the final touches of our filing on the back end from closing up Amundsen and getting ready for the next races we have. But in the meantime, we're also already prepping for Valley Crest and have been. <laughs> so that's what it takes is the forward thinking and working off of a checklist and being organized and just being adaptable, just like an ultra runner. Absolutely. You can't just jump in and put one of these things on next weekend. It takes months of preparation and training for it, just like the runner goes through as well. Definitely does for 400 runners. If you're going to put on an event for maybe 10 Sure, you could probably pull that off in a week. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see a lot more Angelinos come out to Valley Crest on June 11th and run with us there. That'd be awesome. We'd love to have you. And same thing if you're wanting to volunteer, there's also a volunteer button on Valley Crest that you can do. It's right by the registration button on Ultra Sign Up. So it makes it easy and we'd love to have you and you can reach out and let us know. So that's our Trailgate chat for the day. The life of a new race director. You did a great job, Sarah. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Thanks for being a good teacher and mentor. My pleasure. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, friends, for listening today. Your support helps us continue to bring you valuable content. So remember to like, subscribe, and share on your preferred channels. You can connect with us personally on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to those as well as our production team, sponsors, and guests can be found in the show notes. Female-owned and supported, The Ultra Lady Show is also made possible with help from Stephanie Winninger Marketing, an ultra-running working mom who also does podcast production, website design, e-commerce, SEO, and more. And Catherine, a spunky nine-year-old who created our music and who's already running towards amazing things. Till next time, let's get out there and be more ultra, less lady.